0: Hello, and welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I am your host, Maxine McFarlane, a Jamaican educator living in the United States of America, and I'm a nurturer of minds and hearts. My fellow Yadis and educators, Arlene Stairs and Camilla Roper Robinson and I continue our conversation in today's episode. They are currently cultural exchange teachers in an elementary school in the United States. In last week's episode, they shared their journeys that led them to the teaching profession and how they broke through barriers to build meaningful relationships with their students, parents, and co workers. They both had to demonstrate resilience and overcome numerous challenges including culture shock while learning a new education system. Stay tuned to hear more about our Jamaican culture from different perspectives, because we are from different parts of the island. We also reflect on the past year of teaching during the pandemic and lessons learned from this experience. Enjoy part two of our conversation on the other side of this.
1: we do the joy of learning brings the light to for parents and teachers
0: So you are making a difference in our school community, and also in the wider community. From from what I gathered, tell us some more. Tell us about your community involvement, Camila. Well, I'm a part of a church, and
1: in the church, well, I'm drawn to the food section, or the food draws
0: me. Somebody, Why not? something draws me. Why am I not surprised? That's that's where you're drawn, <laughs> based on based on history and when you were running away from education. So I guess you're tr- you're trying to find a way to do what you can't run away from anymore, but still hold on to your passion.
1: Right. So leaving where I'm used to in the church in Jamaica, from I'm ten until I'm I'm old now. Oh,
0: Lord. <laughs> yes, I'm
1: grandma. Now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I got to this church and I was like, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? But It was not something for me to just go and say, I want to do this and that. So one day while I was in church doing our new members class, another person said, Do you know that we do this and we do that? And I said, No. And they said, Come and visit. So I went one Saturday while they were distributing food. And the person, like, she was going to say, Hi, we're going to do this. And by the time she should say that, I was just over there packing the boxes. And I went to the other section. And then the supervisor said, you are the only person that comes here. I don't have to take, you do food? And I said, yes, I had a food business. I know about food and, and that was it. So my name was written down as a member and we distribute boxes to families. And then after distributing boxes to families, only on one Saturday each month, we go to homes on the weekends. So we'll go to the shateens and we'll Help them to change their linens and we'll comb their hair, or we just make their environment a little nicer for them. We'll play games and who we'll require a Bible, we'll give them a Bible. And even in the winter, some persons wanted jackets and coats, and we will get those and we'll take it to them. And we'll sit with them for a while to let them know yes, we know you're in shutting, your but you are still a person too. And Because of my accent, again, they're always fascinated. Where do you come from? And then I would educate them. It gives me a chance to say, I am from Jamaica and we do this and we do that. And and that's what happens. Um, And being a part of this, I have met so many persons and I've learned a lot and it has motivated me intrinsically to just keep on. I I would always say I'm doing my little part because everybody has their little part to do. So I'm just going to continue to do my little part.
0: So your cultural exchange, Camilla, is not just confined to the classroom.
1: No, ma'am. And even here, um, Arlene can attest there are times that I would just cook and persons from our community where we live Oh, they will taste the, the good, good dishes of the Jamaican food, mm. I say.
0: That's yes. right. That People are always drawn to that. Arlene, uh, let me jump back to you briefly, as I touch on the point of cultural exchange. Tell me some of the things that you're doing, whether in the classroom or elsewhere, where you're able to
2: highlight our beautiful culture. The other day, I joined in the Jamaica Day celebration because February was... Um, the time when they, when in Jamaica, the schools celebrate um, Jamaica Day. So, I participated by singing a Jamaican reggae song, and I shared that with my students, which they absolutely enjoyed. So, this was an opportunity for them to hear and see what Jamaica Day in Jamaica is like, and to, to you know, just participate to a small extent also i have had um where they join morning meeting i have a class from there join my morning meeting and they just learn more about jamaica they ask questions and simple things like those i post facts in my classroom about jamaica i Um, share with them. And and you'd you'd want to find out, interestingly, the kids want to find out where on the map did you live, where, you know, they are curious. And even parents who have visited my classroom um, wanted me to show them on the map where what's the most interesting place to go on vacation, and so on. I incorporate my culture, even in our lessons. So in the event that we're talking about um, natural disasters, I'd include some of the natural um, hazards that we experience in Jamaica, you know, just to bring home with me. And, And they enjoy, and you'd be surprised to hear some of the questions that they ask because they are super curious and want to know um more about my culture
0: yes i even with i'm, I'm not doing so much of the cultural exchange with my students but it comes out naturally because they will if, they will know that i'm from jamaica too and we talk about things and they'll always have questions i remember recently i think it was in spanish the the students were learning about Spanish speaking islands Mm -hmm. and I think the teacher was showing them a map of the Caribbean and they came back from special so excited to say Miss McFarley we saw Jamaica on the map you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I took the opportunity to say yeah some of our neighbors Mm -hmm. speak Spanish like Cuba and the Dominican Republic they're close to us and they speak Spanish but we speak English and then we have a friend
2: speaking Caribbean too so yes um and one one last thing that I did recently during the morning's announcement at our school, I shared a bit about the Jamaican culture and I highlighted you guys, the three Jama- us three Jamaican teachers. And let me tell you, when your students pass me in the hallways, they're like, "Can you do the announcement? I heard you, you were so good. I'm like, nice. And I met some of your students. Yeah, they come up to me. I am in Ms. Roper's class. I am in Ms. McFarlane's class. So yeah, that's one of the things that I did recently.
0: Yes, I think you've had a few of my former students in your fourth grade class and they get so excited by the fact that they were able to have two Jamaican teachers. That was before Ms. Roper, um, joined, Roper Robinson joined our staff. But yes. it, it's it's just beautiful to see the connections that they're able mm-hmm. to make, and some of these students will have never left the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So for them to have this international teacher in their classroom is such a rich experience for them because the world is coming to them that the world that they haven't traveled to is now coming, mm-hmm. showing up in their in their mm-hmm. own space. Yeah, so that, that is interesting. Last year, as we talk
1: about um international and Jamaican teachers, I we were talking. Cause I placed, I placed some things in the classroom to represent the country, and I had a student in my class. She said, "I went to Jamaica on the ship, and I'm telling you, it's the most beautiful place I've been, Miss Roper. My father and I we stayed five days on the ship, and she went home and she told her parents that her teachers are Jamaican, and they looked for all their vacation pictures and they sent." them to school so i started to show them that this is called montego bay and my city, my city city. <laughs> that was in falmouth and they went to kingston because everybody wanted to go to devon house and i was feeling like over elated to know that i had a student in my class who went to so many parishes in jamaica i'm telling you it, it's good it is a it is a good exposure and i think it's good experience. And I think only brave persons, super brave persons can leave their homeland, their comfort zone, as Arlene said, and can go and venture out. We are like fishermen. We we know we love to catch fish, but we have never been to some parts of the ocean. And we have traveled and we have opened ourselves to, to share and we have learned. And I think it's a brave, I only think it's brave persons who can do international teaching.
0: Well, I didn't know how brave I was until I did my international teaching experience. And looking back at it, that's when I recognized it for what it was. Going through it, I didn't see it that way because I came here seven months pregnant. In hindsight, I said, what on earth possessed me at that time to decide to go through with this, being seven months pregnant? And I had a a six-year-old and a two-year-old at the time. I didn't know my own strength until I survived that experience and coming in and, and enjoying this international teaching experience too. As you mentioned, the parishes, Camilla, I was just thinking, all three of us are from three different parts of the island, aren't we? So yes, I know, yes, <laughs> yeah. then we can talk a little bit about that. I'm from the beautiful resort city of Montego Bay, which is in the parish of St. James. And St. James is on the western side of the island in the county of Cornwall. <laughs> who can't that you don't <laughs> know <what I> mean. <laughs> where are you from? Tell me about where you're from
1: I am from the beautiful parish that they call the banana parish that we need for to get our iron and potassium. That's Saint Mary of course I was born in Saint Mary I never grew there but that's what it, that's where I was born.
0: Okay, and that's more in the central part. You're in Middlesex, right? In the county yes, of Middlesex. Ma'am. So where, you said you were born there, but where did you grow up? I was grown in St. Catherine. My mother is a teacher, so
1: she went to visit her siblings because she's from St. Mary. And she was walking from one sister's house to a brother's house. And there I came, seven months. <laughs> so <laughs> I was born there. But then she took me back to Kingston and I've been all my life. I've been in Saint Catherine, but I was just born in Saint Mary. So
0: I am from Saint Mary. Okay, lots of prominent Jamaicans are from Saint Mary too.
2: Yes, ma'am. Well, it sounds as if I am the only person who has lived in so many parishes. (laughs) So I was born in Manchester, which I absolutely love—the cool Um, hills of Manchester. cool, Cool, cool hills of Manchester. Manchester people, absolutely, just sweet. And then my parents um, moved to the neighboring parish, St. Elizabeth. Is it the bread basket or the food basket?
0: (laughs) It is the the bread basket. A lot of the the provisions, the food. You feed the nation.
2: Mm -hmm. So um, I love St. Elizabeth though. And then when I turned 20, I moved to Kingston. So I have been living in Kingston for a number of years before I came here. And of the three parishes, though, I definitely love St. There's just something about St. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's bright. It's fruitful. Yes. It's, it's a really, very, very nice place. And Kingston is, or is the capital city. Capital oh. city.
0: So uh, people who come from Kingston refer to me as country girl because anywhere outside of Kingston, they claim it's country. But mm-hmm. I will—I enjoy my beauty. As a matter of fact, I need to share this. I was born in Montego Bay and spent most of my life there, but I also lived in Hanover. My grandparents, my mother's side of the family is from Hanover. And I spent most of my formative years until I was seven with my grandmother in Hanover. And then I moved back to Montego Bay to live with my mother when I was seven years old. And I lived there all the all through the rest of my life before I moved to the United States. What I love about Jamaicans though is that no matter where you're from, you're mm-hmm. proud of where you're from and you you mm-hmm. see the beauty in whichever part mm-hmm. of the island you're from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I like Arlene, I can I can bug you because you you're from the parish that doesn't have the beaches, and I have the beaches mm-hmm. on my side. Mm-hmm. But, but then you can talk about the beautiful
2: Black River. Yes, and also we would go to um, Westmoreland because you know that Saint Elizabeth is bordering Westmoreland. Westmoreland has the most beautiful beaches, and you know that Westmoreland is is um, Negrilis in Westmoreland. Mm-hmm. So those beautiful beaches are just literally next door to to Saint Elizabeth.
0: Seven miles of white sand beaches, and then all the other landmarks. There's really several things about. Um, those two parishes where you were from originally, because you know everybody knows Mandeville for the cool climate mm-hmm. up there, and then mm-hmm. we, we hear about Holland Bamboo and all those mm-hmm. other places on that side of the island. It's it's beautiful.
1: Yes, that's true. And while I was living in Saint Catherine, our famous place is Hellshire. So I would go to Hellshire Beach every Saturday morning because that's my favorite sport. I love to swim. I was a a member of the Bluefin. Um, I was a member of Stadium Pool and my club was Bluefin. I won three silver medals for swimming. So that's my favorite thing. Every Saturday morning, I would drive to Hellshire and i do my one hour in the water and i will go back home.
0: Have you been to the beach in North Carolina
1: yet? Um, Once, yes. And uh, I it, it is not as Jamaica. I don't think I should travel three hours to go to the beach. When I reach <laughs> there, I don't want to come out the car because it's so hot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my Lord. It's I really can a different to- exposure.
0: It is. And for somebody like me who grew up in Montego Bay, with you could just drive a few minutes to get to the beach. And living in Hanover, too, we used to go to Negril Beach because Negril is not too far from where my family lives. And it's just a totally different experience. And the water is not the same, the water is not the same. You know, I could go to the beach. I like going to the beach in Jamaica, like at 6 a.m. And the the water is so warm, surprisingly. Yes, yes. We could go on and on talking about our culture. I know we're biased because we're all Jamaicans and every Jamaican thinks that Jamaica is the best. (laughs) (laughs) It has been an experience though, going through this pandemic and, you know, we talk about the challenges of international teaching, but nothing could have prepared you for teaching nothing. during a pandemic, could it? Nothing
1: nothing. Mm-hmm. nothing. nothing, Never had the clue. I never had the slightest idea when I got that email that Friday, that this was going to be the last day of school going in the building as of Monday morning, we'll be going online. I don't think First grade teachers flipped that weekend. We were And, and it wasn't, old. hold
0: on, Um, it wasn't even Friday because we left on Friday with the, remember I had, a, I had an episode with my second grade team and we talked about this. The Friday we left with the county saying that we're going to continue. Remember we had that staff meeting and they said we we're going to continue with our calendar as outlined. And then as a parent, I got an email on Friday evening too saying that we're going to continue as outlined, it was a Saturday when the governor made the announcement that everything shut down. Yes, Mm
1: -hmm. yes. And by that weekend, Saturday to Sunday to Monday morning, 8 a.m., we had to turn from teacher-teacher to teachers, technology, all those nice words. We had to learn how to put these things in Google Mm -hmm. Classroom. We had to know... I never slept. I never slept that weekend. I re- I remember it vividly. I never slept that weekend until the Monday night.
0: I hit the bed. Well, I know we're a year removed from that because we today is April first that we're recording, and it was March thirteenth that was our last day in the building.
1: Yes, one year after that, we are no super. We are now super, super, super teachers. Mm -hmm. All those experience Mm -hmm. of technology. Mm -hmm. I've said to Arlene and many teachers last year, nobody can ever tell me that a teacher is not a teacher. Mm -hmm. I think we're the most flexible individuals in the profession, in all Mm -hmm. the professions. I think we have the most flexible bones in us from being here to the building, then you're not in the building, then you're online, then you're not online.
0: And then you're hybrid because some people have had to f- have students face-to-face and online simultaneously.
1: Yes, I had that too. I did that for two months. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I did that for two months. So when I'm offline with the students at 2.30, I'll teach the face-to-face students until 3.30 in the classroom. Yeah.
2: Initially, my worries were, how am I going to teach online? What is that going to look like? Am I expected to still have my anchor charts? If I put my anchor charts up, will it be facing the opposite direction? Will it be reflecting upside down? All of those things. So those were my concerns. Now, having I'm um, gone into the virtual teaching, as I okay, it's not as bad as I was thinking because I was super worried. Initially, we we weren't doing live lessons. We were just posting activities for them to access on the different platforms. But then now, it came where we are now going to have to start doing live instructions. I say, so do I just talk to the camera? What do I do? And now it's a breeze. I would love to be teaching face-to-face again. But I am somewhat more comfortable teaching virtually than I was last year this time so it has definitely evolved for me and i feel as if i'm a good teacher now i mean if i wasn't a good teacher before i think i have held, held the fort down for the past year experience teaches
0: wisdom Absolutely. and and all, all we need to do is make sure that these experience are experiences are not wasted i've always felt that whenever i go through something challenging I need to keep my eyes wide open because there's always a lesson or several lessons that we can glean from these experiences. One of the things that I have been focusing on is just to try to see what benefits have come out of this bad situation. For example, this podcast came out of the pandemic. This was my way of maybe giving myself some therapy, just talking through uh, the issues. The, The very first episodes were just simply my sons and I talking about how they're coping socially, emotionally with going through this pandemic. I found time to walk. I found time to pause. You know, the the global shutdown allowed me to stop and and reflect. Because if you're not careful, you keep going, 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 going. Mm -hmm. But this allowed me to recognize, wait a minute, the world will not end if I take a breath. Everything won't collapse if I pause for a minute to take care of me. This time last year was a lot different from now, but there are still many lessons that I'm trying to hold on to. What about you? What lessons are you holding on to coming out of this pandemic experience, whether as a teacher or even just personally?
2: Some lessons that I'm holding on to is the importance of having a connection with the supreme being, whoever you refer to as the supreme being. Because for me, I don't think I would be able to come out out of this experience sane if I didn't have a connection with the Supreme Being. Um, So another experience that I'm also going to take out of it is the importance of being grateful. You know, just having a grateful heart. Yes. And I'm also going to take out of it some level of compassion, even though I'm saying it now, and we take sometimes we do take it for granted. People who are suffering from mental illness. And some of us have gone pretty close to breaking down mentally because of this pandemic thing. Sometimes when you think of an individual and you will say, you know. This person no longer speaks to me. How about you reaching out to the person and see if that person just might need somebody to talk to because many people are shutting down now because of this pandemic, you know? So one of the things I want to take is definitely the compassion and being connected to the Supreme Being, the importance of being connected to your Supreme Being and also... Just having a heart for others. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. In, in we always say that no man is an island. That's one mm-hmm. of the songs we used to sing growing up in Jamaica. And we all have to look out for one another. I agree mm-hmm. with, with the points you just shared, Arlene, because I really had to sit in a space of gratitude. Because when I watched and saw the number of deaths, thankfully... Nobody mm-hmm. in my family has died. Mm-hmm. We went through the global pandemic, and so many people were going to to food banks. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, we were still able to hold to maintain a job. We mm-hmm. still had a salary. Mm-hmm. We still had a mm-hmm. sort of income. I didn't mm-hmm. have to put my children to bed hungry. You know, mm-hmm. that's a lot to be grateful grateful for. I remember when my oldest son came home last spring for spring break. and then all the shuffling started happening around the world about the you know, the virus traveling and his school sent a message to say that they were going to extend their spring break by a week. You know, I think that was their time of of evaluating what was going on and then after they extended it for a week, they decided to go virtual for the rest of the semester. So he never went back to campus until I think we went in end of May to collect his his things from his dorm. And you know, when they set up a schedule for us to do that. But I was so grateful because I you know, as a mother, it's just. It was just nice to know that all my children are under one roof. You know, mm-hmm. when in a crisis, you, mm-hmm. you you're happy to know that the whole family is together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not worried about him being away, and the rest of us are here. Does he have access to food and all of those kind of things? Is he being exposed? So it's it is a lot to be grateful for. And then, my mind shifted to the the uprisings that happened amidst all of this across the United States, with the George George incident mm-hmm. and all of all of those things that happened and even amidst all of that crisis and we had compassion for the family members who were affected but there were still times when I had to step back and say we also need to extend the same compassion to police officers because unfortunately mm-hmm. innocent police officers were now being targeted because of that incident so you know I still have to have compassion because they're out there serving us And we can't just put everybody in the same barrel because Mm -hmm. of that one incident. So it's really gave me pause. And a lot of the things that you're talking about are things we have to reflect on. Mm
1: -hmm. That's so true. Your turn, Camila. For me, it is being humble, humility. I would consider myself most of the time of being a humble person. But through the pandemic, I have learned more. How to keep my lips closed by not murmuring or complaining and just to give thanks. When I saw the pandemic started or in the middle, I did not believe the numbers. I said, nothing goes like that. Those were my exact words. So many people are not dead. These people are not dead. Where did they get this number from? It really, it hit me hard to believe that so many persons were dying and that's when one day came out of my mouth i said lord allow me to be humble and not to exalt myself before time because humility it has a lot to do with us and i realize that i've watched and i've seen people going and they never planned on going and persons lost their jobs and they lost their house because they could not pay their bills and i just asked the lord to continue to keep me humble to remind me every day of where and it's only As Arlene said about the supreme being, it's only him that gives us the opportunity to be able to stand, as you just mentioned. And for me, it's connecting with humans, family. I am here alone, and it gave me a peace of mind. It really gave me a good ease to know that I have easy access to connect with my mother and siblings because... Being in a different country where it's not just down the road, you can't just drive your car and go around to see mom and dad and you're, and know that you it's either talking points or you're going to do some Zoom, but you have the connection. That gave me peace of mind to know that I'm here, but they are okay also. And for me, it is knowing who you are. It gave me a time to check myself, to do an evaluation to see if I am really on the right path or I'm thinking the right things because there are so many times we get caught up in ourselves and we think that we are there when we are nowhere. But it gave me time to think and to say, all right, this is happening. What if this should happen to you now? Where would you fall? Who would be behind you? Do you have enough connections or have you planted a firm foundation that, Persons will just not to be thinking hard to assist you because for me personally, I'm very observant. And I realize that we are always going to have a little downfall in life, but you know, what's most important, Maxine, it's not when you fall, you know, it's how hard you fall and get getting up because most persons thinks they need no one. So they never had good relationships with people. So now when they have hit the ground, Persons are really thinking hard if they should give you a time of their day. Mm -hmm. So it gave me time to sit and think, if this should happen to you now, if you should lose your job now, I remember I said it. God, if I should lose my job now, do I have people that will be willing enough to say, I will take care of you. Come and live with me. I did. I said it and I reflected Um, Do you have enough people to say, I will send $200 or $50 to you so you can pay your bills? And I really took that time to say, okay. So if I was just planting some some corn, I said this time I need to plant some gungu and some dashi, some firm things. So something should happen. And that's what I did. And for me, I continue to do it because I do believe, even though, yes, I believe in the spiritual beam, I always say to people. I've mentioned it to Arlene. I said, Jesus came because he wanted to show us that we need each other. He never had to choose any friends because he is. So he could do everything by himself, but he did it because he wanted us to know that you can never get up every day and think it's you and you alone. You need someone.
0: Yes, we're we social beings and we're wired that way. And I think of the many stories I've seen globally going through the pandemic and how people supported each other. I think yes. of, um, I think it was in Italy, where people would get out on their balconies at night and sing or play instruments, and that was just something that um, encouraged other people. There were musicians who would get online and just volunteer their their gifts of singing or playing just to bring cheer and comfort to other people around the world. And I think it's it's been hard, even when you have support, it's hard. Yes, so just think about all those who don't. Those who are living by themselves. I think of the people who live in nursing homes who weren't able to see their, their relatives. We haven't, I haven't gone to see my parents in over a year now because of because of it, you know, not want they're older and I didn't want to risk. But I look forward to being able to, to see them, hopefully maybe later this year as, as things change and hopefully get better. But we'll hold on to those lessons. We hold on to those lessons and continue to share them with others so they can be encouraged too.
1: Yes, and to be grateful for the things that we have. I taught my children that before we left for spring break, uh, I said to them, even in this very country, there are so many boys and girls your age, they don't have nice food. They don't have clothes to wear. They don't go to school. And they were in awe. What are you saying, Miss R? R? I said yes. There are boys and girls, even in this very country. So we need to be grateful. So make sure when mom and dad gives you something, you take care of it. And they—they like—they never believed me that there were children in this country that were going through. And I had—I said yes, they are. So we need to continually remind ourselves that we need to be grateful and keep ourselves humble.
0: Yes, when you're living in the privilege, you don't always see it. We're now down to the final three questions that I always like to ask my guests. And then I'm going to ask each of you to give your final words for other educators around the world. In this season of the podcast, I'll be talking to educators from different parts of the world. So as you're thinking about that, I want each of you to tell me, what are you passionate about?
2: I am just passionate about teaching. And I'm not saying that because we're in a session that is talking about teaching, but this is what I love to do. And um, there are many people who will say, I want to transition from the classroom. And if I do transition from the classroom, I must still have a close connection with the classroom. If it's even to guide other teachers, I am motivated when I see the outcomes. When I see that a child is able to move from a level of not reading to a level of reading, to not being able to do certain math problems, to sailing nicely through math problems independently, that's where I get my biggest motivation and inspiration. I love teaching and I want to teach. I enjoy it. Yeah, your passion shines through. That is,
0: that you have found where you belong. You have Mm -hmm. found it. So Camilla, what are you passionate about?
1: I am passionate about being a good educator. I don't just want to be able to to give instructional information because of content base, because of school, but I want to be an educator. So all aspects of Life or any time I have the opportunity to inform someone about anything, I want to make sure that I take that opportunity. Not just for schoolwork, but as we talked before, there are so many persons who don't know many things. And we, my mom would say, don't take it for granted that everyone, because they're an adult, they know things. Even at church, I've gotten the experience. We were talking about something, and I was talking to two persons who were older; they're seniors. But when i said what i said they said they never knew that it's the first time they're hearing it and i'm telling you i stood there and could not say something for about two minutes because i'm thinking these persons who are older even than my mom they would have known so i've always recognized i don't just want to be the teacher who teaches but i want to be an educator because a teacher always there's always a time for us to share something else that persons don't know and I don't want to just do it in the classroom but everywhere I go
0: an educator at heart I agree all right Arlene so what greatness do you believe you bring to this world
2: um my passion for kids loving kids my personality I think I have a certain amount of um pleasantness (laughs) pleasantness <laughs> I think I am super pleasant um yeah and, and I'm a warm person I agree I
0: agree you have that infectious you have that infectious smile and personality mm-hmm. that draws people
1: all right
0: thank I you I agree I can just hear you doing some Miss Lou or something like that mm-hmm. you just have that that charismatic type of personality that will do a good Louise Bennett poem mm-hmm.
2: definitely <laughs>
0: All right, tell me about your greatness now, Camila. What greatness do you believe you bring to the world?
1: It's all in one basket. Um, I like to make persons, I like to know that persons are very comfortable and happy. Otherwise, from loving to be a good educator, my second love is to cook. I love food. I love to bake. So I will just cook up a storm as Jamaican people would say I would put my foot in it. I will just cook and I will share and I will bake and I will give it. I just need to m- make sure other persons know that they are valuable. And I always say, don't do something for someone because you're looking for a return, but just do it because you want to show persons that they are worth someone giving them something nice. And I want to be that person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So now for my final question, Arlene, you you kind of touched on in your first response to question number one about what inspires and motivates you based on your teaching. So maybe I should modify this one for you and ask you to just focus on who inspires or motivates you.
2: Hmm.
1: Um,
2: who? <laughs> you know, to be honest, um, The current principal that I have now, I admire him a lot. I like how he presents himself as an educator. I I feel motivated that there are people out there who take the same pride that I take in teaching. I'm encouraged by him. Because when I look at him, at how well-dressed he is, I want to represent my profession the same way. Um, Because some people are of the impression that you only represent yourself well when you're going to the bank or when you're going to some top executive jobs. But he always um, presents himself professionally. And I really admire that and the expectations that he has but when he comes with his expectations you realize that okay he's expecting the kids to have notebooks he's expecting them to take notes he's expecting them to go home and study for their exams he's expecting you to teach them well right so i'm like okay Teachers are out there. People who are passionate about the education system is still out there. So I really admire him, to be honest. And I, I'm I'm sensing from your comments that
0: he motivates and inspires you to be a better teacher.
2: Mm-hmm. Am I reading that correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a hard nut to crack, but if if you do what you're supposed to do, um you 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 will feel a, a sense of fulfillment when you're done at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I think he pushes you to 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 get to your your greatest self. Mm-hmm. So, who are what inspires or motivates you, Camilla? I'm intrinsically
1: motivated, and my mother. My mother inspires me. At my mother's age, my mother is completing her degree in counseling, people would say that, oh, you are already a teacher and you have adult children, but she always says to us, once you can do it, why not do it? And your brain is still working. So my mother inspires me to let me know that everything is possible, especially with God, all things are possible. I also had a teacher in Jamaica, we would say basic school. They say um, kindergarten or elementary. I had a
0: preschool. teacher. I think our basic school is like preschool here.
1: But I had a teacher in preschool in Jamaica, and I was privileged of talking with her before I came here. And I remember that teacher from basic school, class three. And she said to my mother one day, she came to pick me up, make sure you invest in this child. Invest in this one. I don't know how many children you have, but invest in this one. When she speaks, everybody around her sit and listen. Make sure you invest in her. And I will never forget the words of that teacher. So as we have gone back, to as we started, there are persons who speak things over you. You never knew what would have happened, but those words, they germinate. And my mom, she lets us know that the sky is the limit. And if she's, she's doing her, I'm super proud of her. I feel, I feel like I am her mother. Mm-hmm. Cause when I talk about her, I'm like, can you believe that my mom at this age, she's so one, she's so, and so, she's, she, she inspires me a lot and I'm just going to continue to do my best because of that good inspiration I get from her.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Nothing like having that, that support system from your parents, mm-hmm. no matter how old you are, you, you can't outgrow it. Yes. It still gives you a good feeling. So while you you have the mic, Camila, what are your final words to other educators around the world? It could be anything, a word of encouragement as we continue with this global crisis. It could be something about relationships with the children or any point that we raised and discussed today. What are your final words to other educators?
1: My final words are make sure we're being true to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Make sure whatever we are doing, we are happy doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm that is going to allow us just to be existing but we're not living mm-hmm. and then if we are just existing we are not giving our best and the, the precious lives that we get in our hands to 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 nature for a set time because you're not there forever we're just a a year teacher mm-hmm. they will not get what they should get because we are not giving our best mm-hmm. i know things are going to happen to us as educators But once we make up in our minds and we are determined to do our best each day, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. You can't take care of someone if you are not taking care of yourself. Because there won't be you in the classroom if you don't take care of you. So find the time of taking care of yourself. Make sure you're, you're giving what you need to give. And be careful of the words we say as educators, we have the power to speak. I told someone when I was in Jamaica, I took the bus once, my car had an incident. So I took the bus and the the conductor was behaving bad. And I said, you know, from I came on the bus, your voice is in my ears. You're annoying. And he said, oh, stop the talking. I said, no, you got it wrong. I am paid to talk. That's my job. So as educators, We have the power to speak. We just need to be careful of the things we say.
0: I heard Arlene mm -hmm, over and over again. So I know you're in agreement with your sister there, but what would you like to add as a final word to uh, to fellow educators?
2: Um, Just to to add on to what Camila said with regards to be true to yourself, do what it is that you love. Don't shortchange anyone, all right? A number of us as educators, Our hearts and our minds are not into what we do. And if that's not what you want to do, don't don't stay in it and bash it. Do what you want to do. That's right. Right? Um, Find your true calling and live your true calling. Whatever it is that is your true calling. And if it is teaching that is your calling, enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Learn from the experiences. And there will be numerous experiences. Learn from them and use every one of those experiences as stepping stone or building blocks. Yes.
0: Well said. Well said. Well said, because we can all reflect on our own experiences as students ourselves before we got into this profession. And we can think of all those teachers who impacted us. Both of you cited different individuals who did that for you. And I can think of several who did that for me too. And we have such a such a gift and such a power that it should really put us to that place, as Camila was saying earlier, of humility. Because yeah. it's it's a humbling feeling to know that we have that power to impact a young life for good or for bad yes so we should all use our power for good and not for evil right yes absolutely Absolutely.
1: and and you know as they would say parents would say you know whatever you tell the child the child take is as gospel because parents can't tell children and they
0: because my my teacher said (laughs) so my teacher said Yes, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I heard that so many times while I was teaching in Jamaica. So many yes. times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It has been a real joy, a real pleasure talking to my fellow Jamaican sisters here. Mm-hmm. It's funny that we work in the same building and sometimes we'll go days without seeing each other because we're on three separate hallways. Yes. But it, so- took, it took spring break for us to catch up and talk. And I really appreciate that each of you were willing to contribute to my teachers tribe podcast today and i'm and i'm sure as we share our experiences with other educators and parents and caregivers around the world hopefully it will have an impact on someone and maybe something you said today is not just confined to the 20 or whatever number of students you have but now we can impact others globally yes. because of sharing our experience here so i do appreciate your time and your contribution today thank you
1: thank you, thank you for having us thank, thank you, you.
0: Um, it was a pleasure. I, feel like we're this time. <laughs> yes. I must admit that I am kind of homesick after this conversation with these two Jamaican educators. Reminiscing about the beaches, rivers, food, and culture as a whole opens the floodgates of wonderful memories as well as an appreciation for those experiences this conversation reveals the fact that experience teaches wisdom the takeaways from this episode are simple reminders and little nuggets gems if you please that are applicable to everyone here are a few of them that i pulled one there are always lessons so don't allow the challenges you face to cause you to lose sight of opportunities to learn two Find and maintain a connection with your source of strength and inspiration. These teachers highlighted their faith and belief in God as reasons for helping them to get through challenges. 3. Maintain an attitude of gratitude and show compassion. 4. Take care of your mental health and stay connected to your system of support. Because, as the song says, no man is an island. And five, exercise humility. I hope you have been inspired by these Jamaican educators and can apply their tips to your life. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow the Teachers Tribe Podcast on Spotify. Here's a quote from Albert Einstein to wrap up today's episode. He said, learn from yesterday live for today hope for tomorrow the important thing is not to stop questioning until next week walk good and one love
2: for the joy of learning subscribe to the teacher's drive yeah